Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back and we're double black and brown this time around. Oh, that was a rhyme. I didn't even mean it. Wow, Mandy, I'm getting really good at this rap. Don't tell them. They'll think that you're talented (laughs) at it now, at your intros. Guys, have we got a show for you tonight? It is the showdown of all showdowns. Um, The Battle of the Sexes Royale episode that you had that you knew nothing about, but that has been in the works for three years now. (laughs) Three once once a year for three years, we have been emailing the the guys at Paychecks and Balances who you know you know we're doing their thing when we were doing our thing and starting the podcast, and it's been really exciting to see them grow as we've grown. And I've always wanted to have these guys on the show and thought it would be fun to do kind of like a battle of the sexes um, debate over some of the most common uh, disagreements, shall we say, that couples have. So um, they're finally here, Rich and Marcus from Paychecks and Balances. (laughs) Yes. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I want to be clear. We didn't leave y'all on red. We responded to the emails. Like that came across like, man, they too good for us. They don't even check their emails. Like that's not what happened. Nah, they already started messing. You forgot. You forgot. You're on. You're on home turf. So the nah, A nah. listener is not trying to hear that. Nah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. First of all, thank the man you is for, speaking truths. Thank you for bringing your quiet storms voice. Oh yes. yeah, and I, yeah. I guess we should. Uh, this is Marcus. I, we always assume that people know the voices. So this is Marcus of Paychecks and Balances. And this is Rich. Hey guys. So for let's just pretend like we don't have a lot of the same listeners. I feel like we do. I feel like our listeners just you know they try and double dip. But tell tell Brown Ambition who you guys are and a quick little bit about your story and about the the podcast Paychecks and Balances. Yes. So we are a personal finance and career advice podcast geared toward millennials. But we've had people who aren't millennials hit us up and say, "Yo, you got forty somethings listening, fifty somethings listening." And uh, really what we try to do is just keep it light, fun, relatable, informative, none of that talking head, person in a suit, lecturing you about personal finance or lecturing you about how to grow in your career. And so, yeah, we have shows where it's just us. We have shows where we bring on guests. Uh, We admit what we don't know. We don't purport to be experts. We kind of just have honest conversations about our experiences, the good, the bad. And uh, I think we both had our fair share of ugly, too. Yeah, and I, I believe we've had you both on. I was over here. I was hoping Rich would go a little bit longer so I can get my Google search on over here. So we had <laughs> the Budget Nista on episode 102. If y'all want to jump across it, I'm going to have to key in the background a little bit longer to get this oh, other no, episode. Not the <laughs> in the background. No, no. no I, I was actually on mute. I'm like, no, don't end, don't end. And then he ended. I came back. You know, I jumped in real quick. <laughs> 
I'm just no, trying to respect okay. time. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we're excited to have you on because there are some things that we have the um the token male listener Jamal. Hey Jamal. So that's not really his name. That's that's just what we call the male listeners that listen. I like um, Lamont. <laughs> Lamont. <laughs> and so it would just be dope for our listeners to hear are there different perspectives when it comes to um, money as it relates to the different sexes? What do guys think? What do girls think? Are y'all ready? Yes. I think we are. Go I ahead. think we are. Oof, I'm ready. I'm like stretching <laughs> over here. Six years <laughs> of long term relationship has prepared me for this moment. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, a little stressed. Uh, <laughs> I feel ill-equipped now. Okay, okay. This is my favorite question. So you guys found this from Twitter, actually. You found a story about a man. So this is someone who tweeted this. So um, I don't know who their Twitter name is. Sorry, person. But they read a story about a man who saved $45,000. This person got married, and his wife put $5,000 into the savings account. Um, they say shortly after, she spent all the the $50,000 and paid off her student loans without the husband's knowledge or approval. Do y'all think she was wrong? Yes. And I specifically (laughs) said I'd shout out. (laughs) I want her sick and her followers on me. So at Queen Latilly submitted that at Queen Latilly. So I appreciate that. She specifically said shout me out. I think she said or else. And (laughs) yes, she was wrong because like where was the conversation? Uh, Plus, even if there wasn't a conversation, I'm going to feel some type of way about $45,000. Regardless, I, I can't think of any I can't think of no scenario where I'd be cool with. Uh, maybe I just don't have my money right. But if you take $45,000 of it, I'm going to feel some type of way about it. I don't get yeah. why she had to do it without telling him. Like, So let's just cut back the issue here. So the idea is if you, if you bring more to a marriage in terms of savings, but your spouse has debt, is it cool for them to – or for you, like, do you, if you're the spouse with the money saved, do, are you cool with spending the money, giving your spouse that money to pay off their debt? And if you're the spouse who needs the money, is it cool for you to ask? I feel like that's the key questions here. I mean, so. I, I mean, go ahead. I think James. it's okay. To, first. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So I think it's okay to ask. And. I've heard stories like this before. I actually work with someone who a big chunk of what he did or a big part of what he did was pay off his wife's debt. Like, like he proactively did that. And what I've learned is there are some people that have this mindset of since it's us, what's mine is yours and yours is mine. But that's a conversation that needs to be had. And that whole part was skipped here. So her just going, her just going in there and just paying it all. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, Nothing, not even a, hey, I'm logging, not even a, I see this money here. Just, I'm going to just straight pay it off and let you find out while you in the bathroom. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Or you go to use your money and there's none there. (laughs) Honestly, I I completely agree. I think that that is ridiculous. First of all, even if, let's just say they would have put 50-50 in. Um, The issue is that if over a certain amount of money, you know, a conversation should be had. Because, you know, we're working together as a team. So we have a joint account and both of our money is in there. I just feel like you $2,000 is a lot of money to, to spend without saying, hey, heads up, you know, I'm doing this thing or I really want to do this thing. Can we talk about it? I just think that that is crazy that she thought the unmitigated gall to go in and not say anything. To me, that's theft. And I'm not going to lie. I'll be looking like, I don't know this going to work out, mama. <laughs> because for real, it just Yo, seems that's to grounds me for dismissal. 
It really is, honestly, to me, because it's not so much about the money, but it's a mindset of that you thought that it would be okay, one, to not communicate something so huge to me, two, to make the decision without involving me, and three, quite honestly, that's my money. You stole. You're a thief. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the idea of like, what is your minimum negotiation about? Like, so for like, let's say if it's a joint account, you could spend up to like a thousand dollars. You don't got to check in with me or a hundred dollars or whatever that amount is. I do think people should come to that agreement. I like to have that in place. I mean, I don't like to do joint accounts, but that being said, uh, if I did, I would also like to know like, all right, if thousand dollars disappeared, that's cool. I might feel some type of way about it. Hopefully you come for me at first 999, but like, that's our agreement. Like, but another thing that's like kind of throwing me off here is it was a lump sum payment. Like she just wrote a fifty thousand dollar check. Like just cleared out the account. All you need is I that mean, routing number and that account number. I mean, yeah, copy and paste. Why. Copy and paste. <laughs> yeah. But you With brought up. Husband, I, we, go, go ahead, go ahead, Mandy. No, I was going to segue, but you finish up. No, I was just going to say because, like, recently, like uh, just a week ago, I approached my husband and I said, you know. I want to help my parents, you know? And we actually, we're going to go over this a little later, right? I think this is one yeah, of our questions. Yeah, you skipping debates. You skipping debates. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Let me reel it all back. Go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> real quick, because Marcus, that was Marcus, right? Quiet Storm's yes. voice. You said you brought up joint accounts. So let's talk about that as an issue here because we get that question from listeners from time to time. How do you guys, because Tiff and I are both married. I forget y'all's situation. I don't want to put your business out there, but are you in relationships? Are you married? Single. So, uh, so we are. However, the relationship that I was probably in last time <laughs> is not the same one that I'm in today. Yeah, see Bruce. Yeah, and uh, actually, a lot of the the money lessons I learned it wasn't until after this relationship ended that I realized how much money played a role throughout. Which is also crazy to have a podcast that's about personal finance, but then money also be such a big topic in your relationship. Um, so yes. We're both in relationships. Marcus, I don't know if there's anything special you want to say to Boo Boo. <laughs> yes, I'm also in a relationship. Uh, no <laughs> children and not yet engaged. I guess I'm engaged to be engaged. Okay, we'll talk about what that means in a minute. I'm like, can you commit or get what? Um, okay, so joint, joint accounts is what I wanted to talk about because, you know, we're all in committed relationships. It sounds like, I mean, maybe committed to be committed. Um so well, how do you guys feel about joint accounts? Because I, you know, in my personal, in, in my marriage, it took us, we've been together for six and a half years now. It, we were not from the get-go joint accounts, but I would say about as soon as we, as soon as we moved in together, that is when um, passwords were shared, Mint accounts were created. And it wasn't that we had the same account, but we were at least able to see what the other had going on. And then um, and to this day, we don't have joint accounts, but we just have visibility. So that's how our approach is. But I'm interested what y'all's y'all's take is. Yeah, um, this is something that I have a lot of experience with. So and it's also interesting, the whole idea of whether or not you should have joint accounts based off of where you are in your relationship. So there are some folks who say you shouldn't have any joint accounts unless you're married. There are other people who say even if you're married, you shouldn't have joint accounts. And what was a really big issue, and I'll do this without throwing shade, but was but what was really a big issue is that we had a joint credit card together. And mm -hmm. so what would happen, and, and this ultimately became a bigger thing, which I will spare many of the details, but what ultimately happened is, is it became, well, I figured you were making more, so you would pay it off and we'd be okay. That's how relationships work. Like I, you make so much more than I do. And so what happened is there would be all of these charges that would get put on there. 
And then at the end of the month or at the end of the relationship, I'm like, wait, there's all this money that's been spent that was not things that I bought or that I can even tangibly see or something that I've eaten. And in, in some ways, it, it, it created a lot of uh, a frustration is, is what I'll call it. And I learned from that, like, I will never do that again. I will never have un unless I mean, I mean, maybe it'll be different at the point where I'm actually married, but I will never be in, in another situation where I have somebody as uh, an authorized user on my credit mm -hmm. card. And then they're like, hey, can you do this because it helps my credit score? Can you pay this now? Because, you know, my score is lower and, and this balance is messing me up. Um, so so I did, am a get, go ahead. Did you end up holding the bag with that credit card debt after the relationship ended? Yeah, I did. And wow. there was a period of time where uh, I was like, you know what? I understand your situation is a little bit different than mine. And there was kind of this grace period. But then I noticed as uh, time went by, I, I just started to become a little bit resentful. And that came out one day because I, I'm someone who's very big on paying people back. I don't like owing people anything. And uh, not everybody operates the same way. Some people are like, well, you got it. I'm like, well, stop counting my coins. I don't care that you know yeah. how much I made. Like the principle, the, it's, it's the principle of it. Like, yo, you owe me money. Even if, even if it was debt that we acquired together, it, it was expenses and decisions that you made that now I'm eating as a result of the relationship. And no, I, I didn't like that. And that's part of why I'm like, I will never find myself uh, in that situation again. And it got to a point where I just had to straight up be like, yo, it's been whatever amount of time. And it, and it was so bad that I, I was actually not paying like the full amount off. And, and, and throughout the process, I knew that I could pay it off if, if I really wanted to, but it was the principle of it. And so you know, I would pay the minimum plus some and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna give her, I'm gonna give her time. And then, and then I paid it down to the amount that, um, that she owed based off of what I calculated. And then eventually I was like, you know what, I don't want this hanging over my head anymore. I'm tired of thinking about this. It's creating like additional tension that I don't need in my life right now. I'm just going to pay this off. <clears throat> That wasn't me getting emotional. Uh, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> ah, don't, sounds, don't sounds fresh. I'm going to just pay this off because one, it's debt that's ultimately sitting with me. It's part of my credit score, part of my credit report. So I'm going to just pay this off. And if later on she comes back like 10 years from now or however long from now and writes a check, that's fine. But I, I just didn't want that debt in my life anymore. It almost felt like relationship baggage. Yeah, I don't okay. think she's going to do that, but that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say that, like, I, I agree. I I, I don't have a, a, even a joint credit card with my husband now. I mean, well, what this is how we do that. We when we after we got married, we had we I had a bills account already. And so I added him to it. So we have a joint checking one joint checking account where where he contributes. We kind of sat down and said, how do we want to do our money? He was like, look. How about we save and invest yours, and then we live off my income? I said, okay. So he takes his allowance. You know, I take an allowance from what I make. He takes an allowance from what he makes, which is it's basically we don't make the same, but we take about the same amount of money in allowance every every two weeks, and then his um, the rest of his money goes into our joint uh, bills account, and then I pay the bills. Usually, it's just automated, and then I save and invest um, our our money. So when I say save, we and we have a joint savings account. And so, um, and it, it, it works for us because, you know, like, so the, the bill account is, is if you want, if you're buying groceries, you can use the bill debit card. If you're buying anything for the house, you can use the bill debit card. I mean, obviously leave money for bills. Um, 
So I help um, a family member out, and um, but that doesn't come from that's additional money. So I, I I do that out of the money, extra money that I earn. But yeah, and then as a result, we were able to purchase two homes this year um, in cash. And so, but that money didn't come from you know the bills account. That was money from the um, from the the savings and the investing that I did with um with the money that I earned. So we we figured out like we really sat down and tried to figure out what's what would he make him feel comfortable? Because I make significantly more than him. Um, he just was like, no, I would just feel more comfortable knowing that like as a man of the house, now that we literally did this right after marriage, as a man of the house, I pay the bills. And I said, okay. Um, so, so, but I would have been fine. Go ahead. So you guys don't even have a joint credit card together. Interesting. You know, was that so a conscious a choice? Um, you know, I never thought about it. Honestly, until Rich just mentioned it, I didn't even think about it. Like, he was just joking today because I was telling him, like, oh, man, I paid all the bills today. And he was like, you paying credit card bills? I said, nah, nah, bruh, that's on you. <laughs> and so I have, my own, <laughs> I have my own credit card. He has his own credit card. And then because, like, he, he was joking because he just, my birthday just passed and he purchased whatever he bought for me, like, on his credit card. So he was like, isn't that crazy that some dudes will buy you stuff on a credit card? And then meanwhile, it's the bills that you I was like, yeah, we don't do that in this household. He's like, no, <laughs> I know. So we don't, we don't have a joint credit card because as it as as of right now, it's not necessary. So anything that we need to purchase, we we have the cash for, you know. Um, and so maybe one day we will, but right now we don't have a joint credit card. Interesting. Who didn't speak? Was that Rich? What's what's your take on it? Joint credit card? No joint credit card. Yeah, I was the one with the uh, horror oh, story. So my bad. <laughs> so Marcus, I'm, I'm gonna pass <laughs> that to you. Yeah, so I will freely admit that uh, it's from being financially burned, but I am still not at a point where I could do the joint account. Um, And maybe it's just a security thing, but I feel like with the credit card, I could get to that 1-800 number faster than you can drain my savings and checking account. So I'm not at a point where I could do the whole joint joint account. Now I could do a joint bills account. That's cool. I mean, you go ahead and spend the house. At least I could replenish that the next month or whatever. That's something I could fix. But if I just came home and like this story right here, I think I was in a cold sweat. I'm thinking of $50,000 being gone in one day and it's just unrecoverable because it's all cash. I don't know about that. At least a credit card has got a credit limit and I've done, I've done the joint credit card. So I have had a, a, what is it? An authorized user. And it was a decent experience. Um, I can't say good because to Rich's point, we disagreed on like what was an emergency. So I was like, here is thou credit card. Um, so in this particular relationship, I had the the better credit score, the better credit. And I didn't have a, an issue with that. So I was like, OK, we'll do the credit card that I already have. You'll be a joint authorized user. I was like, use this for emergencies or let me know. And she would just spend. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, you know, you know, lunch ain't an emergency as far as I know. And I would just pay it <laughs> off from month to month. And so I guess my lesson learned, if you will, because I, I, and Rich knows this, I also got to charge it to the game theory. So I don't try to like make promises in the relationship that I then, you know, I'm, a, um, you know, I'm human, so I still have that emotional aspect, but I don't try to make promises in the relationship, then renege on them as soon as the relationship ends. So there are some things that I took on. I took on like a tax lien or paid off a tax lien. I took on some credit card debt. The only thing that I would change about that is you do it under the seal of a uh, marriage. The only thing I, if there was any regret as I did in a relationship, ultimately the relationship didn't work out. And to your point, uh, Mandy, I carried the bag. Uh, and I mean, 
it is what it is. I got to charge it to the game because that's a promise I made that I would do. It's in my name now anyway. There was like that that alligator arm offer was like, I'll take it back, but I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have happened if I said yes. I was like, nah, I got it. It's cool. And that's where we are. So my main takeaway is I think now I would look at somebody's like money mindset or money how they handle mm. money a lot closer than I did in the past. Before it was like, I got this. Like you said, I'm the man. No, don't worry about it, girl. And then I was like, yo, this is hurting. <laughs> so do you guys think that's why you guys have been burned by that, but we haven't? Is it like that male mentality of like, mm-hmm. you just want to step forward immediately and like you have that urge to provide. So maybe you're more likely to say yes from the get go or like from the jump, you know, in an early relationship to helping someone with debt or like putting them on your credit card. Cause I was always suspicious. And like, I mean, with with my husband, when we were early dating, I watched him like a hawk. I mean, this man would have a moral crisis if he found a $5 bill on the street. He's like, but should I give it back to – who should I give it to? I'm like, just put it in your pocket. Like, you know. <laughs> and it was over time where I realized I could literally – like, here's my savings account. What is I – mean, it's – you know, I trust him with every ounce of my being. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, I wonder if – do you guys feel like your your gender played a role in that or the expectation for your gender? Maybe somewhat. And I'd say part of that was also the circumstances and going back to what Marcus said, you know, he said he didn't, he didn't want to renege and for, and so it sounds like there was like a, here's what I will do. And in my case, we never had that conversation period. And so that's like the, the, the basis of everything that followed thereafter. And, and for me, I don't know if it was so much that, um, that I'm a man, but I had this like ongoing, like guilt, like, you know, we done moved across the country you know, she's out here because of me, you know, there are other things that maybe I didn't do so well within the relationship. So I'm not going to complain about this. And so it felt like it was just less about the man and more, more so about like this. I don't know. It was, was it's, I'd say it was something that's inherent to my personality. Like I, like I, I, I can be the person who will like feel guilty or feel really bad about things. And, um, I've learned a lot from that. And I'm not going to say that, you know, she was the type of person who wanted, who wanted to take advantage of me, but there are situations where, I'll see something as a problem and I'll let it go in hopes that it somehow magically goes away. Mm-hmm. But as I eventually learned, because and I, and, I, and I won't front, like I'm one of those people that doesn't like conflict. And I think that conflict aversion is what holds a lot of people back and is what creates these situations that could have easily been avoided. If I wasn't so much in, how is she going to respond? I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. And I've, always felt a certain way about money and how it's handled, but we never really uh, got to the point of, of having that conversation and uh, answering something else that was not asked. As I think back, there, there were signs, and I, and I forget what made me think of this, but there were signs in terms of how I saw her interact with others and, and friends and how, and how they thought about money that, yeah, so, you know, like after a situation ends, you kind of have all of these epiphanies and I'm like, yo, I knew from day one, I just couldn't see it. <laughs> I, I couldn't see it, you know? Uh, and it's, and it's hard to tell the story because I'm also trying to be respectful, uh, at, at the same time, but like there were these little things that happened throughout. And what's crazy is that when it came to, you know, budgeting and, and managing her, her own money, she did, she did like really well with that. I'd say even better than me, but when it came to, uh, what was joint, there was kind of this assumption, well, you had, well, you got it. So I got it. And this should not be an issue for you. And even though there were periods where I knew it bothered me, I kind of just like kept letting it go on, letting it go on. And uh, at that point, you know, I didn't know the relationship was going to end, but it was also like, well, I mean, we're together. You know, I I guess I I guess I do got to provide. I guess I do have more. But I didn't feel like it was 
my job as the man. I mean, quite frankly, I I I would love it, or uh, I guess well, would I love it? Um, <laughs> I was I was I was, I was, like, I was like, let me think before I say this. Um, but but I was thinking like, yo, if if she made the same amount or she made or she made way more, I wouldn't then expect well because you're bringing more in that that means now I'm gonna be dipping into your pockets. Actually, that part is probably where I would feel more of the man flex, mm-hmm. where I would probably be inspired to like, how can I contribute? How can I make sure that I'm doing my fair share? How can I keep up? Uh, versus the situation where I was in where it was it was flipped and I was the person making more um, But I didn't feel like I had to be the be the provider on all things I'm much more of a, of a 50 50 person in general So you're hitting on a really interesting topic about who earns more and how that plays So we're gonna take a quick break hear from our sponsor, you know, cuz we got some and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll be right back And we're back with our great, great battle of the sexes debate, um, you yeah, were yeah. we were just talking about just hitting on this topic that we've talked about before. So, like, what happens when the female earns more than? And yes, we're using like hetero, um, you know, gender norms here. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry for being heteronormative. But anyway, um, so let's say the woman earns more and the man earns less. How does that change the dynamic for you guys? I've only personally experienced this one time and i think it kind of relates to what rich is saying there um and to your question earlier so in this particular scenario um i think she was making like a quarter million or something like that and it was i only know that because she brought it up all the time (laughs) so so it was like not only she was not i think um she might have been late 20s early 30s uh, but I mean, she was doing good for herself, you know, you know type of um, I think we met on a dating site or whatever. And um, we uh, went out on a couple of dates and it was always like, you know, I got it. Like, you know, don't worry about me, this, this, that. And I was like, all right. Like, that was my only first experience with it. And it, I got to say it was weird, but I don't know if it was weird because it's like, look, man, I got it. And you need to know or if it was weird just because. I was a man making less than for like the first relationship I've been in. And in this particular instance, the last relationship I've been in. Um, so maybe on the the broader scale, since that's my only experience, um, I'm actually, I guess, a little bit different than Rich because I do see it that way. I don't know if it was a I was raised that way. I was taught that way. But I did always think the man pays for everything. And now looking back, that was crazy because no one ever taught me how. So I'm like, yeah, I got yeah. this. I'm gonna pay for everything. But I'm making like $19,000 a year. You know, conceptually, I never, I wouldn't say that I ran into, first of all, I was broke. So she couldn't even been a gold digger. She'd been like an aluminum foil digger. (laughs) So (laughs) it wasn't like any of these women were trying to take advantage of me. They were just like, all right, you say you got it, you got it. And so (laughs) they just didn't question it. I I dated like a couple women that were enablers, but I don't think I dated any woman that said like, no, I expect you to pay for everything. It was just like, all right, you you say you got the the house, the mortgage, the food, the rent and everything. Then cool. I'm just going to live off my money plus yours. Um, But it wasn't like you have to do this to be with me type of thing. Interesting. I think I feel like I feel like a lot of I used to think that, you know, most men had that, like, I've got to, I'm the head of the household. I got it. I'll pay for everything. And honestly, I, I thought that that's what, like, the relationship between my mom and my dad, it wasn't honestly until, like, my 30s that I found out my mom made way more than my dad. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and so, because it didn't affect the dynamic at home, there was never this, like, well, 
most of my, it's most of my money anyway. You know, there was never, I just, because he paid the bills, you know? So meaning that, um, he, because my dad was a CFO and an accountant. So, uh, I don't know specifically like, uh, what, if they had, I know they had joint accounts. I don't know if they also had individual accounts. I think that they do. And I think that they did. Um, but you know, I think that they collectively pooled, you know, most of their money and then took care of the household that way. And so there was just never the sense of like, I don't know, that my mom made more or that somehow because my dad didn't make it, my dad made good money, just not as my mom's a nurse and, you know, nursing, you do overtime, you can make a tremendous amount of money. So I just think like, and now just seeing my husband and I, I'm trying to think, I wonder what my, I have a bonus daughter. My husband has a, um, a 12 year old. And I wonder like what she thinks because she knows that I make a good amount of money, but I don't think she, at 12, I'm not sure she knows that there's a difference between what she and her, my, you know, her dad makes. But to me, one of the things, one of the ways, the reason why my, my husband was like, I want to pay the bills was to, to normalize for him the feeling of my wife makes more because with him paying the bills, it kind of doesn't matter, you know, because my money doesn't play into our day to day life. It's like when major decisions are being made, like we're going to get this house or something like that. Yes. But day to day, he knows that it's his income that moves the machine. And I think that like, and you know, that, you know, that's something that he wanted. And I'm like, I'm not going to say no, um, okay. you know, but we, but we both benefit, like I said, because at the same time, his income moves the machine, but my income bought this house. And so, but so together and honestly, yo, his insurance is like a plus plus. So I'm like, they could pay you a dollar. And like, I'd be like, you still got to work there because it just is like I, all the things that I've been able to like, I'm, I work for myself. And even though we make good money, I, the amount I'd have to pay to match what his insurance gives us. I mean, I just, we just, it just would be a tremendous amount of money. So he brings a lot to the table financially as well, even though it might not traditionally be as much as I do. And- the same or similar thing, because I mean, this honestly, this is something I've, I wouldn't say struggle with, but I almost like had this existential thought process around it because I honestly don't know where it comes from. I'd have to say it's more society than home. First of all, we didn't really talk about money in my home. It was just something that existed. First of all, I thought we were broke. There's a whole story behind it. I thought we were broke until I went off to college and I filled out the FAFSA and I found out we was middle class, upper. And I, and, uh, I thought we was poor this whole time. And it's, it's because I didn't have the conceptual reality of, man, you live in the suburbs. You go to a good school. Your family, you both my family, my mom's a nurse. My dad worked uh, all the way. I, I, he's kind of private about it, but he worked high up in an organization. He was on TV and everything like that. So I knew they did something that made money that put a roof over my head. But I didn't understand where money came from, how bills were paid and how budgets worked until I left the house. And so I would have to assume that everything that I learned about, oh, the money, uh, I learned all that from rap videos and like society, like on demand, (laughs) you know, you got to ball out, you do it. Like there was really a point in college I stopped watching music videos because I came I became so like disenfranchised between the reality of what they display also, I had a lot of rapper and mixtape friends by then, like all these you know videos where everyone's rich and balling. And then I, I'm sitting there eating ramen noodles right beside them. I'm like, yo, we both broke over here. The, but in the streets, you like this baller. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not watching these videos anymore because I got to be on a different wavelength. So I didn't get that from home. Um, and that was an 18 years influence, but it didn't dictate how I acted about money, felt about money and how I felt like the relationship between men and women was. 
really the only crazy thing that I saw at home, I wouldn't even say crazy because it was good, is that my dad really ha- was a pedestal for how you treat a woman. Uh, as far mm-hmm. as opening car doors and treating a woman, like the way he treated my mom was more influential in my life than finances and, and personal finance and money management. Yeah, I um, yeah, money wasn't really a conversation. You know, I do remember seeing my parents uh, sitting at the table, uh, paying bills, you know, sending in the the uh, minimum payment for the credit card. So I, I did see stuff like that where it's like if you can pay the balance, pay the balance, but carrying balances. And, you know, I look at what like both. my So both my parents, when most people don't know this, both my parents were custodians, janitors. Like and I didn't and, and I don't say that to be like, oh, I came up and struggled. It was actually quite the it was quite the opposite. Like to me, people hear that and they're like, oh, man, like that had to be tough. And I'm like, well, actually, no, I was quite comfortable. Like they did very well on a I guess a, a decent amount of money when you combine the two incomes. And so to me. I never saw like financial struggle. And so it also wasn't a conversation. I just know that I had a roof over my head. If I wanted something, they would find a way to get it for me, which is probably why people say I act like a spoiled only child sometimes, which I, which I kind of am in a way. Um, but that wasn't girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, cause somebody's going to be like, I did some research. So I do have two older half brothers and a half sister, but they're both so much older that they were out the house when I was growing up. And I'm the only uh, child of my parents' marriage and union. And so I do consider myself an only child in, in that way. But it, it wasn't anything, there wasn't anything specific I, I learned or that they talked about or that they taught me about money. I'd say if anything, my dad was also very much a 50-50 person. If someone owed him money or he owed someone, someone else money, and that's probably where I get that from. He wanted to make sure that it was paid back as soon as possible, whether that's money coming in or money going out. But there were never any, any explicit lessons. I think the one ex- explicit lessons, I think the one thing I probably did learn, though, is that it's OK to carry a balance because I knew that they carried a balance. And I can remember when they let me use the credit card and I would just like put little stuff on there, be like, oh, I'm going to McDonald's, put that on a card and think nothing of it. They would pay it off or maybe they'd say something about it. So I learned you know, little stuff like that. But there was never a you, know, you must sit down and have a conversation with your significant others or you need to put away 15 percent of your paycheck. It was you work you pay bills. Like that's pretty much the experience I had. You work, you pay bills to live comfortably. What I'm hearing us all talk about is our family and like how we watched our families relate to money. And I feel like if there's one takeaway from this conversation is if you're dating or if you're about to get married to someone, like ask them not how they do, how they manage their finances, but like what, what was, what was your experience as a kid growing up with your family and how did your family um, talk about money or what were some of the money conversations in your house? Cause I think it's so telling like how, what we see our families, how what their dynamic is financially, and how that influences us as an adult individual, but then also as a partner. You know, that's and that sure. is partially partially why earlier I was saying that there were little signs, and I'm not going to say that you know my ex had a crazy family or anything like that, but like when I say some people operate with, the, and I've noticed this more with people that have a lot of siblings in general, to be honest, uh, but that like what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. Like I, I could very easily see how that was ingrained. And then, yeah, there would be times during the relationship where, you know, she may um, provide money. And, and, and there are a lot of us out there who send money home for various reasons for to uh, to family members. And to me, like I always thought that was kind of crazy. But then if that's your experience growing up and that's what, you know, and everything has always been shared, then, of course, you're going to op- operate that way as an adult. And so as I was going about the process, the courting, the dance for this new relationship, 
that was one of the like first things that we talked about. And I'd even say in past relationships, I felt some type of way about talking about money. And maybe this is a product of that, the bad experience I've had. Maybe it's the product of doing a podcast. But that was one of the that was one of the it wasn't like, you know, we're out eating and I'm like, yo, so how'd your parents spend money? But when we did start having those more serious conversations and we saw where things were going, I made sure I brought that up early because it like it's I've accepted that money is something that's important to me. And I think some people struggle with that. And I also wanted to make sure that I didn't recreate another version of of the past situation. And I think part of what makes this relationship more productive is that we had that conversation early on and it turned out that we did have very similar views uh, about finances. Like she's someone who, if we go out somewhere, even if I say I got, like she always pulls out her card, she's always ready to split. And I have to be like, no, like I, I got it. Like we don't have to go 50, 50 every single time. Like, let me treat you. But you brought up something. This is a good segue. You talked about, and Tiffany, you too had talked about earlier, what the idea of what happens when your spouse or your partner wants to, like you're both saving money for a house or you're both bringing in money. Maybe you're pooling your savings a little bit. You're, you're sharing bills and whatnot. What happens when they feel a duty to help their family financially, but it means taking money from that joint pool of money that you guys as a couple have built together? How do y'all feel about that? I, I you know married to a, a man whose parents are immigrants, Latino family. It's not uncommon to help family members if they're struggling. Um, and in my family growing up, that wasn't some money, wasn't something you talked about. If you struggled, you struggled alone. So it took me a while to get used to the idea of, you know, helping out um, families. Um, it's, I mean, well, cause I'm, I'm, my parents are both immigrants and, but then my husband his uh, his parents and he's straight up African American, so I guess it's a little lopsided because I mean we talk about it, um, and he's never said no. But I guess I, I I suspect in the back of his mind he's like, uh, most of that is quote unquote your money anyway. I guess that's how I feel like he he kind of feels. Um, but I never make a move without like, and he's I actually think he's probably said that. And I've been like, no, honestly, if you feel uncomfortable with it, then I'm, I'm not going to do it. How do you feel about it? But he's honestly really generous. Like he, um, before even, I always call him the black Mr. Rogers. We live in like what I call the halfway hood and all the kids know him. He, you need a haircut, Mr. Superman. I'll just call him, um, we'll get it. You know, you got A's on your report card for every A, you know, you're getting, you know, a dollar or like, you know, your parents didn't cook, you know, you could knock on our back door and Miss Tiffany is going to make dinner. I mean, I'm like, who said, but whatever. <laughs> but I say all that to say that like, it's, you know, there's been definitely, I, I, I help my family out, you know, a lot. Um, and just recently it was like a big ask. I said, Hey, I was talking to my, my father and my mom just retired like kind of a year earlier than what would normally be retirement age. And my father had made all of his plans, financial plans for them based upon her retiring at retirement age or after. So there was a, a bit of a sh struggle with the, with the gap, but he didn't say. Um, and so like he said something kind of offhand that made me say, wait a minute, how are, are you guys okay? He's like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And so after doing some more investigating, I realized mm, it's a little tighter than he would like to admit. And so after looking at their budget, you know, I, I always wanted to do this anyway. I was like, I wanted to retire my mom, but she retired early. But then I was like, I had it in my mind that one day I'd love to pay off their house. So sooner rather than later, I sat down with my husband and was like, look, 
you know, I would really love to pay off my parents' house. This is likely how much it's going to be, six figures. What do you think? And he's like, well, you know, whatever you think. I'm like, no, what do you, this is a lot of money from, you know, some of it is from just money that I've saved, but some of it's kind of coming out of, out of our joint savings, which you have contributed to as well. And he was just like, honestly, like once I really was like, if you don't feel comfortable, then, you know, I'll just save on the side on my own. And, you know, I can do it sometime next year. And he was like, honestly, his mom passed away in his 20s and he's not really close with his father. And he was like, Tiffany, if I would have had the opportunity to do this for my mother, I would jump at it. And so you have the opportunity. So I say, let's do it. And so that really warmed my heart. And so I was able to do it. I just actually made the transfer yesterday. So my parents are mortgage free, but to have a partner that was on board with it, because he could have said no. And honestly, I would have said, okay. And I would have just said, I have to just save another six months to a year to come up with the other portion out of my personal savings. So do you think it was a little bit, well, real quick, do you think it was a little bit easier? Well, what if it was, I know that, you know, his, his mom passed away, his dad, not very close, but what if it was flipped and he's the lower earner and he wanted to use a big chunk of your, you know, and you can, you can trace the source and realize, okay, both of this is coming from money that I've saved. Like, would that factor into your decision to help his family? I'm just playing devil's advocate. um, Yeah. If I was always honest for the amount of money, probably, honestly, if I had to be all the way, like, honest, like if it'd be one thing, if it's like, okay, you know, I want to help my sister and it's like, you know, four figures, even like low five figures, I'd probably be like, okay. But if he's like, hey, I want to pay off my sister's mortgage and it's six figures, I might be like, wait, what? <laughs> because you're right. I mean, if I'm only honest and human, it's like, ah, I know how, like, wait, that's a bunch of Easter money, you know? It's, and it's terrible to I'm say, saying, I'm being honest. What's no, yours is real, mine is right. a lot easier to say when yours, yours is the most. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it's true. And it, not to say I wouldn't. And, and I, I, you know, obviously, I don't think that he would ever ask that amount of money. But but you're right. It's totally easier because I know that like the majority of that money in savings is what I put there. So but not that we wouldn't. Because I said, like, are there family members that you want to give to that you want to share with? And he was just like, nah, not at the moment. But at that amount of money, I don't know that I'd be comfortable with that. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, this is interesting to me, and I'm trying to figure out. I was over here. Uh, I am in with Rich about which story I want to tell <laughs> and which rabbit hole I do or do not want to fall on and landmine I want to avoid. But I, I guess I'm hearing two themes that uh, if folks want to have a takeaway. Number one, I think everything that ended positively that we're talking about is communication. So, uh, Tiff, in your example, where the positive scenarios that y'all communicated about this up front and then Rich, one of those lessons that you learned is about the communication you're having now. And the the experience I'm having now uh, with my girlfriend, it's a lot different because, yeah, she's like what Rich described. She, you know, wants to go half on everything. She wants to do her part. She's She steps up to the table and she volunteers that. There's even points where she'll do things on her own because she probably knows that I'll I'll do the, oh, no, I got it. So she'll go out, like, get the hotel, get the room if we travel or something like that. And then I get there and I'm like, okay, what's the room? It's like, oh, it's already taken care of. So then I get the food and everything. So she's already taken that step to go 50-50. So that's been a new experience for me. The other part I was going to say, uh, or the other theme is that, like, I think dating is where those worlds collide. Like, I think everyone to some degree is like has that egocentric experience where like what I experienced is everyone's experience. So in that example, where I was talking about earlier, where I never thought that we had money. I remember like I used to like to date women that like popped gum. It was never chewing gum. Like I just had a thing for like the hooder, the better, like the further away from the birds, you know, like, you know, and uh, <laughs> that was my thing. 
And I remember they were always amazed. They're like, oh, salt and pepper. And I'm like, what? Like, that? Like, don't everybody have this? Like, that's when I, but I was too young to understand. Like, they thought we were rich. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? We're like, man, y'all got two cars. Y'all got a roof. Y'all got a job. Y'all got a house. And I was like, doesn't everyone have these things? And it wasn't really until I got older and now I can look back. I was like, okay. And I mean, we weren't rich. We were like, we were living in the suburbs doing i guess okay but uh to mandy's comment earlier i doubt see that okay like what was your childhood upbringing or family like and then what is your relationship as by extension with money because of that but i would have never even had the maturity to have those conversations before and like i said it's just like okay i'll pay for it and that always worked out until it didn't like there's uh several stories that end with yeah i bought this i paid for that i paid for that she left i bought this i paid for that i paid for that she left and then i was always stuck with the bag and then the irony of that is that would extend into the next relationship because i'm like all right i'm left with ten thousand from the previous relationship i gotta pay off so sorry baby girl you can't get this little birkin because i gotta pay off these heels from this yeah from this last relationship you know so (laughs) it kept carrying it to the next way till i finally did the whole debt-free thing because i I could get serious in the next relationship because I was always quite literally bringing in financial baggage from the last Ooh. relationship. Yeah. I, I don't have no like plot twist or moral. To, that's just kind of you know, my spiel. I mean, you just got to pick. You just got <laughs> to pick them better. That's great. I mean, that sucks. So how many well, relationships I, yeah. were you carrying debt from? This is a good, interesting story, first of all, relationship well, debt. One, it wasn't, um, and I'll just talk about like the, obviously the serious relationship, you know, I'm dating in between, but like one, um, I didn't carry any debt, but I was early twenties. So I was like just getting started. I had, I was like the potential guy. So she was dating the potential that I could have. And, you know, I try not, you know, she was, you know, what, 21, 19 or something like that. So I'm also trying not to like you know, that's young. Like, so we were doing all that talking about a serious relationship. We actually did live together. And then she got an opportunity uh, to go to New York. And it was, she was like, yo, and actually she did pretty well. She's like, you know, I got an opportunity in New York. I want you to come with me. So literally the scenario was going to switch. Like I was going to quit my job and go and basically live all her until I got the next job. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like that's too unfamiliar for me. I like, I'm not to quit my job and just follow my dreams type of guy. And I'm definitely not to quit my job, follow my dreams and live off somebody else until maybe my dreams do or do not come true. Um, and then, yeah. And then I remember like later on, I guess I was mid twenties. Then, um, that was a little bit different where I did quite literally, a lot of it was self-imposed by that time. I did have a whole lot of debt. And this woman was like, you know, where's this relationship going to go? And I was like, I don't feel right coming into a relationship with it. I mean, it's like $30,000 in debt. And I was like, I don't feel like, and she said it was okay. And I, I mean, I'll, maybe I'll never know if it really was, but I was like, I didn't feel right as a fan bringing that into the relationship. It's like you couldn't give, it's almost like you'd say you can't love someone until you love yourself. But if you've come in and you know that you like have these, these issues and they're weighing heavily on your mind, like you can't give yourself or even like because so much about relationships are like dreaming about the future and, and envisioning, a, a, you know, buying the house or whatever your dreams are, vacationing and stuff. And it's hard to do that when you know you have this like debt strapped to you. But that's that's the situation so many people our age are getting into when they get married. Um, are people really talking about dreams and goals like that, though? Because what, am it, I we weird? always hear that. <laughs> are you saying I'm, I'm weird? Not, no, no. <laughs> 
Well, well, no, because uh, so one conversation that I had this go around that I did not have any previous relationships was like, okay, so what do you want out of life in the next five to 10 years? I had never seen, I had never asked someone that before and, and stuff may have come up. We might've been watching something on TV and been like, that would be cool. And also some of this was the result of going to a therapist and me just trying to avoid some, some of the past mistakes and, uh, and, and your therapist be dropping gyms, man. And Nothing that, wrong with that, no, not at all. And so that was very helpful in that I understood or I understand what she wants out of life. She understands where I want to be and what I want out of life. And we both understand that there are steps and that there's a plan required to get there. And so now we can keep each other accountable, which is not something that I've ever had in any other relationship where I feel like, yes, it's, yes, it's about money, but it's ultimately about the, the life that you say you want. So it's like, Hey, like you're going a little crazy with the spending. I thought you said that you was trying to do this in six months. Or I thought you said that you wanted to do this in two years. Does this really help move you in that direction? And that having that framework where, where there's something that we're emotionally connected to beyond money, like, like this experience, this lifestyle that we want, that also helps how we, that also helps inform how we look at money and how we talk about money. And even though our finances are completely separate, we still kind of understand where the other person is coming from and, and where they're trying to get to. And so I may factor that in. So I may factor that into, you know, how I might want to go on a trip or, okay, so we're talking about taking, you know, two or three trips. I know you're trying to do X. I'm trying to do Y. Does this really make sense for us? And so having that understanding of kind of the vision, I hate, I hate saying that because it makes it sound all, all businessy and entrepreneurial and whatnot. <laughs> uh, treat it like a yeah, business though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and I went to talk about our relationship brand. Um, but yeah, that, that was super helpful. And so I figure if, and of course, I don't think I'm the most normal person in the world at, at all, but I do wonder, do people always really have those serious conversations beyond like, oh, I want to have a house? Like, no, like, no, like, what is the life that you want for yourself? Like, what does that really look like for you? And I don't know that everyone really has that conversation directly. That's where you end I mean, up with the, the girl that's like, thanks, bags, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, where you no, end up. I, that's where you end ahead, up with when people are not on the same page with values and what you want. That's what we get all these questions yeah. from listeners who were like, "My spouse, my husband. He's, you know, I have a question from someone who's complaining because she said he has an overdraft spirit. He's talking like she wants to buy a house. She's tired of renting, or she wants to buy a house. She's tired of renting, but he continues overdrawing his bank account. Like people who have scenarios like that where they're trying to get to point A." you know, this direction and, the, and the, the other person's trying to get to point Z from their direction. If you're not going the right, the same direction together, yeah, you're, you're always going to run into this. Like if they don't share your values, they don't, they don't care about, you know, overdrawing their account or, or racking up credit card debt because they're not trying to get to where you're trying to get. You're always going to have conflict. I don't see how relationships, you're just always going to be miserable. And I feel bad for these people, but you have to sit down and have that hard discussion early. Cause like, why, why hitch yourself to a ride that's going the wrong way? So I have a, a message for Joseph since you said you had one male listener out there, but I also think oh, he's Jamal, Joseph. Jamal. He's Joseph Jamal. now. Oh, oh Jamal. Jamal. <laughs> it's all the well, same. All three listeners. And this was something, it took me a really long time to come to this realization. And I've shared it with a few men over the years and I, I think they finally bought into it. But all of that spending was actually a manifestation of my insecurity. So I'm like, if I don't buy this girl this, 
If I don't put this in her life, the next man will, although he probably wouldn't. And if she was a good woman, it wouldn't matter. And number two, like my great revelation was, okay, I used to be like, okay, I don't care what you spend. Because behind the scenes, I'm putting it on credit cards. There really was no budget. There really was no um, sky. There was no limit. You know, the, the, the sky was the floor. But I don't know what age it was, but at one point, um, probably while single, I was like, you know what? You know, I don't care what you spend as long as what you spend is within my income. And it's like, that's not enough for you. And that's all that matters. Then I'm just not the band for you. And I think a lot of men they just try to overcompensate for that. And I think it doesn't do any favors because a lot of women are like, well, he said he got it. I mean, I asked him, he said he got it. That's because men are, men are insecure. <laughs> so if you if you ask a dude, uh, I remember there was some story that went whatever viral is now on Twitter where she was like, yeah, I was on a date and this dude paid with a hundred that he thought was a 10. And I said, if you if you so broke that you got to go back in there and get your money, then you're not for me. And she goes, I could tell he was mad, but he left. I'm like, I'm running back in there for that $70. Like, y'all tripping. (laughs) (laughs) And whatever that make me look like, it is what it is. Like, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's she's that proves the point. Like, if you, it's not even a challenge, but if you, a a dude's not going to admit, like, yo, I ain't got it. But if that's a guy that you either see the potential with or you want to have a long longevity with, I think it needs to be a more, mutual discussion around like man i know he ain't got it now i know if i ask him about it he's gonna front like he got it but like okay do i want him to am i in this for the short term or the long term whether that's financially or you know personally or professionally or otherwise because i think a lot of those times like i said i don't feel like any of these women took advantage of me they're just like i want this and they knew if they say i want it like i'm gonna get it for them i never really tried to make any active effort to stop them but I will say when I finally did, like there's a couple other dates where I was like, look, I ain't got it. And she's like, well, I can get on Instagram, and find somebody is. So, well, I suggest you get on Instagram. Ooh, where are you meeting these women? I mean, and, and, and I'm trying to update it for these. First of all, it's you Instagram. Know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to update it for the relative years. But it, I, I mean, was on MSN th- chat. like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm trying to update it for the 2018 crowd. But what I'm telling you, there's definitely I would be on a day. It's like, well, if you ain't got it, like. I could find another date to can. I was like, well, that's cool. Like, and so can I. We just aren't meant for one another. Like, I used to always think I had to prove myself to each person I met versus like, what's the saying that, you know, some people are in your life for a season. Like, okay, that's just not the season that I need to be with this person for. Like, that's not the person for me. It is not the woman for me in this particular instance. It took me a long time to come to that realization about myself because insecure me would have been like, all right, I'm going to pay for it even though it hurts. I'm put on the credit card, even though it's going to hurt me more, plus interest. Plus her, if you were to get married and then she's like, oh, wait, all this was a lie. It's like Wizard of Oz. You know, you look behind the curtain and all you see is credit cards. <laughs> well, yeah, I've seen a lot of um, scenarios like that where, and I mean, you, you see it all the time. It was like, man, he used to buy me all these things during the courtship phase that he couldn't really afford. And then, like you said, you get in that serious, committed relationship mm-hmm. and you realize how much he can't afford it because now you're not you're not on the date. You can't really hide it. The credit card bills are coming to the same joint address. <laughs> and <laughs> like, why, why does it say pass due? Like, I thought you was I thought you was out here balling. Like, I, I've talked to a lot of people like that. They're like, yo, I thought yeah. I thought you was doing good. And then I get behind the scenes and I see he, he's check to check or less than that. There's yeah. dignity and a man who budgets. Good. For real, I yo, I used to tell dude like my dude like yo, we could do ice cream in the park. It is fine with me. I don't 
please don't flash what you don't have. Because one, it doesn't impress me. Like, we were giggling the other day because I was cleaning out the closet. And the first gift he ever got me was this expensive designer bag. And I was like, have you have you met me? Like, <laughs> yo, I still got Chucks from, like, 15 years ago. <laughs> and so we talk about it now, like, yo, remember what I thought? I'm like, yeah, that's not... That doesn't move me. Like, I'd rather that, like, you know, you spend time or it's genuine or you, you have a plan. Yeah, I think it's about finding some. I get it because there are definitely a lot of women, you know, who stuff motivates and moves them. But you have to ask yourself, is that the woman that you really want to be with? That well, if you don't spend you know, a lot of money on them, they don't want to be with you. Right. And I, I want to be clear that I'm I'm not. I respect the game. I'm not shaming either of these individuals. So if you know that's what he or she likes, because there's guys just like that that like you know eighty gold chains and big rims too. There's there's just as many uh, Instagram guy thoughts. <laughs> so I'm definitely not shaming either way. I'm just saying that most people they try to pursue somebody that's not compatible by frankly fronting. So they they know mm-hmm. they're not compatible. But they make up for it with like, okay, I'm gonna you know spin the ball out and all this. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna put up this uh, I, that word that I can never pronounce. So I'm not even gonna try to right now because Rich called me out on. He's probably ready to call me out right now. <laughs> no, I'm good, bro. I'm good. <laughs> so basically, you know, there's no future in your fronting would be my my summarization. Yeah, no future in fronting. <laughs> I love. Yeah, that. I've right. uh, I've never been one to. Uh, Fake the funk on on the spending, and I've and I've never felt. I mean, like there'll be like dinners here and there, but I've never tried to act like I got like like I am what I am. I am who I am. You like it or you don't. But there are also people like who really care about money. Like that's important to them. And you think about uh, what's that book uh, by Gary Chapman, Love Languages. Like for yeah. some people, I legit gifts, am reading that right now. Listen, I'm I, I'm not kidding. Change my life. Keep going. Yeah, yeah I love yeah, that so, book. Yeah. And so there are people where gifts like that really means a lot to them. And so that's something that you may have to adapt to. Or uh, and I think this thought was triggered because, uh, Tiff, I think you mentioned, you know, just spending quality time together. So even that there are going to be people where it's like, well, you might buy them a big gift and because that's your primary love language. But then they don't even really like that's that's not really even what they want. And so th- this, again, goes back to that idea of of communication. I mean, you might be spending all this money when all she wants is you to just like give her a hug, sit on the couch, watch Netflix, go for a walk, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's communication is is the big theme today, it seems, which I guess is expected with relationships. You could save so much yeah. money if you just knew their love language. That's the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this battle of the sexes is way too civil for my taste, but it was really it was nice fun. having this lovely civil conversation with you guys. We didn't we didn't really get to some of the heated debate. Not that I'm complaining. I really thought you know, I felt this was very cathartic. I'm not like Rich. So I got to get my um, my psychology services <laughs> on Skype, apparently. <laughs> Listen, we're so just... I appreciate this. I appreciate this. It was definitely a good time. Well, you guys are a couple of catches. Thank you so much for joining Brown Ambition. Glad we finally made it happen. Tell the yes. folks where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PayBalances, Facebook at Paychecks and Balances. Uh, you could find me on Twitter and the gram at I am Rich Jones. Hey, Marcus. I'm on, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Marcus Garrett with one T on Twitter, two T's on Instagram. And of course, the website at paychecksandbalances.com. Wait a second. One T on Twitter. I know. I was going to judge. I was going to say, you know what? I ran out of character. 
you know what? I'm not even gonna judge. I said, you know, I'm gonna let him rock. I'm gonna let him rock with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, mm, we need to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's always nice to get male perspective, and um, we are wishing you a wealthy and healthy, happy relationship. Thank you. I, I look forward to coming back in the next three years. <laughs> Anytime. It's my fault. I take the blame. It was me. Drop the ball. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.